Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Happy two days after Christmas. I hope you're all uh, feeling rested and warm and safe. Um, I want to welcome all of you who are watching online this morning um, from your cozy homes, I hope. Um, I'm just really glad to be with you. And I hope that you all had a hope-filled Christmas. I really mean that. Uh, That is one of my deepest prayers for all of us. And I want to say that even though the celebration of Christmas is now past, uh, we are still in our Advent teaching series called The Wisdom Within. And the teaching that uh, I'm going to bring this morning uh, feels just right to me for this transitionary moment in time, this time when we're getting ready to turn the page on 2020. And I just want to say, bye, 2020. It's been interesting. So we celebrated the birth of the Christ. And we read that story, that familiar story on Christmas Eve. And this morning, I want to pick up that story in Luke chapter 2, the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, with what happened right after Jesus was born. So I'm going to read this. I'd love for you to follow along with me. This is what Luke writes. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. I just want you to picture this. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, And lying in a manger, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host, I think this is a bunch of angels, maybe, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them. In her heart. Now let's picture this for just a moment, okay? Any of you mamas remember how you felt just after you gave birth? Any of you dads remember being there after your wife had just given birth? How stunned, speechless, dizzy you were after what just happened? Okay, so picture Mary and Joseph. Apparently, they delivered their baby on their own. And all of a sudden, a bunch of dirty shepherds are crowded into the birthing room with you, sharing this out-of-control story about angels and glory and heavenly choirs and crazy talk about your baby. 
And I have to believe, I don't know this for sure, but my hunch is in my mind that the shepherds burst onto this scene with frantic energy and big voices and all of them talking at once loudly about all that had just happened to them out in the field. And then the shepherds left and it sounds like they continued to tell everyone, everyone they could about what had just happened. But in contrast, what did Mary do after she heard this story? Luke says that Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. What does that mean? She pondered these things in her heart. Have you ever wondered? I think sometimes because of our Western way of thinking, when we read Mary pondered these things in her heart, we picture this statue, this guy who just thinks and thinks, right? We think that Mary sat there and thought about what the shepherds had just told her. She used her mind to try to figure things out. But what what did the writers of the Bible mean when they wrote, when Luke wrote, Mary pondered all these things in her heart? This is what I've been learning recently. Mary received the news that she had just given birth to the long-awaited Savior of the world. And she held that astonishing truth in her heart and her soul. She held it there, allowing whatever questions, whatever tension that news brought into her young life to simply be there, to simply exist. She didn't try to get everything figured out, get all of her questions answered, get every doubt and concern resolved for herself. No, she pondered what she had just learned in her heart. She held on to all this, the tension of that confusing news. I mean, think of what she had just experienced. Okay, remember, she was a poor, unmarried teenager. And earlier in the story, an angel had come to her and told her that she was going to become pregnant somehow by the Holy Spirit of God. And she basically said, okay. I don't quite understand, but okay. And then during her pregnancy, she puts up with all the scorn and shame of being an unwanted teenage mama in ancient Palestine. And then she has to travel with Joseph far on a donkey to give birth. And then these grimy, overly excited shepherds show up and say, an angel just told us, your baby is the Messiah. What? What? What would you have done if you were her? Can you imagine the number of questions she had about what had just happened? The confusion, the concern, the fear, the everything. Can you imagine how much she wanted to talk this all through with Joseph? Or maybe the shepherds, anybody really. Maybe a little conversation with the sheep. I don't know. And yet, and yet instead, Luke tells us, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She was 
quiet in the face of great mystery. She somehow resisted the urge to try to get it all figured out. Mary pondered. She held on to the tension of her circumstances. But you know, as I was learning about this and thinking about this, I realized Mary was not the only one who pondered in this way. Jesus carried and held on to tension his whole life. Think about the tension he must have held on to during his great temptation in the desert. Jesus carried tension when the religious leaders tried to trick him and called him names and falsely accused him. Jesus held on to tension when he ate and drank with sinners and was judged by the religious leaders. And Jesus carried tension every time he offered the good news. He never manipulated people. He never threatened. He simply offered his father's message with open hands and the deep trust that his very good, very powerful father would handle the outcomes. Jesus pondered in his heart when his closest friends misunderstood him and denied him and betrayed him. Jesus carried tension all the way to the cross. And I was thinking, you know, Jesus' life demonstrates that pondering things in our hearts in this way, holding on to tension when we would rather not, is one of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity that there is. And I wonder, as we start this new year, in just a few days, what might it look like for us to ponder things in our hearts, like Mary, like Jesus? And before we explore that a little further, I mean, hold on to that question, but before we explore that a little bit further, I want to be a little bit more clear about what I mean by this idea of holding on to tension or carrying tension, because it's a really important part of this idea of pondering. So here's just a quick list. Um, It's probably not complete, but it might help you um, start thinking a little bit about your own life. So a couple, a few things um, that it means to carry tension. Uh, not needing all the answers, sticking with commitments, especially when those commitments get hard, acknowledging I might be wrong, holding on to multiple truths at the same time, even when those truths might feel contradictory, living with uncertainty, Allowing our cherished ideas to be challenged. I'm not saying that we have to overturn them. I'm just saying that holding tension means I allow some things in my own life to be challenged. Being open to mystery. Living without resolution. Not everything gets a bow. Living in the gray, meaning Black and white solutions to things are not always the best solutions. And the last one, the hardest one, I believe, is giving away the last word. Not thinking it's your job to always have it. So my question 
for the year is what might we learn from God when we ponder things in our hearts, when we hold on to tension rather than always seeking relief or resolution or certainty or the last word? What could we learn about ourselves? And what could we learn about other people? And what might we learn about God? And how might this one practice help us to become more spiritually mature people? Those are some questions I'm taking into my new year, and I invite you to join me. And in the time left, I want us to think about just a few important areas of life where pondering things in our hearts might dramatically improve our lives and the lives of those who get to be around us a lot. So let's first talk about relationships. What might it look like to ponder and to hold on to tension in our relationships? So let's say your spouse or your closest friend holds a different view than you on a hot button issue. Can you feel the tension already? So can you, can I, can we live in the tension of that without deciding it's our job to label them or decide they're on a slippery slope to hell? I mean, maybe instead of doing that, I could instead try to really listen, to be curious, to seek to understand, to remember that probably I'm not right about everything. What about when another person hurts me? What would it look like to ponder that in my heart rather than hurting back, right, or passing that negative energy around? So a friend recently said something that really hurt me. And I could have lived in the tension. <laughs> I could have simply pondered what happened in my heart and allowed Jesus to absorb that negativity. But I didn't. I, I refused. I, I, I was working on this teaching, but I refused to do it. I refused to ponder this in my heart. And instead, I called some other friends and I unloaded all that negativity on them. And you know what it did? All it did was multiply the original negativity exponentially and just send it out into the world. <laughs> As if the world needed any more negativity. What, what a miss on my part. Pondering could have brought a little more light into the world rather than shadow. This is an important arena of life to start to think about doing this. Okay, next topic, aging. <laughs> what would it look like to ponder as you age? This is a very tender topic to me right now because I woke up recently with one droopy eyelid. And now you're looking at my eyelids but I assumed it was because I slept really hard on that side of my face. So I was like, no worries. You, you just have a droopy eyelid from sleeping on it. But the next day it was there again. And the next and the next and the next, that droopy eyelid remained. And I thought to myself, it's never going to spring back again. This is how a face goes wrinkly, isn't it? It's just one droopy eyelid at a time. And then I'm an old lady. And I pondered that in my heart. And I asked myself, now this is a serious question I asked myself, can I go through the unknowns of the aging process and live into the mystery of it rather than fighting it with all the facial cream weapons I can afford? 
I mean, imagine the money that could be saved, the angst that we could release. If we, if I, could grow older and just let my eyelids and everything else, frankly, just droop. Right? We're humans. What if we pondered aging in our heart for the mystery that it is, rather than fighting it? So stay tuned, friend. It's this eyelid right here, okay? Keep an eye on it. What about the culture? The culture that we all swim in. What might pondering and holding tension look like in this part of our lives? Can we look for and call out the good that's all around us rather than living uh, with the world that we live in with kind of a condemning, judgmental heart? I mean, there's a lot of good in the world. Can we see the ways that the culture and the world might be light years ahead of the church on certain issues? And could we even cheer that on and learn from it even? And speaking of culture, could we ever practice pondering by not responding on social media? Could we just let someone share their opinion even when we disagree with it? Could we just let it go? Could we ponder what they said in our hearts, hold on to the tension of it, and simply be silent? Just step away. Give up the last word. It's really that simple. Okay, But speaking of social media, what about when we want to reach for a distraction? I wonder how many of us right now have any kind of realistic grasp on how often we are reaching for distractions. What might it look like to ponder that tension in our heart to hold on to the tension before we pick up our phone or doom scroll on Twitter or watch one more episode or play one more game? What might it look like to ponder that desire for a distraction in our hearts and to think about what it is that we're trying to do to fill up our empty soul? What might learning to hold on to tension do when it comes to all the different kinds of things that we're actually addicted to? Our phones, mood-altering substances, sexual junk, shopping, video games, social media, black holes, gossip, whatever it is for us, what might God be able to do in the darkest crevices of our hearts If we offered up our emptiness to him, rather than trying to fill it with the kind of junk that will never, ever satisfy. What if, as we start 2021, we all practiced pausing and pondering when when we feel that itch to reach for a distraction or an addiction. And before we reached or clicked or scrolled or swiped, swiped, we sat in the tension of it all and just pondered and asked God to show us the truth about what will really fill our empty souls. What if? I think that could be really powerful.
couple more areas. This one's big. What might pondering do in our families? Now, I know we've just come off a big holiday season, and it's been weird. We might not have gathered with all the same people, but these questions still apply. Can we start to love and celebrate our extended family even when we don't see eye to eye with them on most things? And this is partly what it means to hold on to multiple truths. I love you, and I completely disagree with you on these issues, right? These are holding on to multiple truths. We can do this, friends. We can hold on to two kind of competing truths at the same time. Your grown child decides they don't want to go to church for a season. Or they marry someone that causes you to say, what? Or they make a life decision that's different from yours. Or they keep a messy home. Or whatever it is. Can we live in the tension with them without always having to voice our opinion? Can we give up the last word when it comes to our adult children's lives? Friends, this could save your relationship. Or what about when your young child isn't turning into a mini you? And you find out, lo and behold, they have their own mind. They want to play violin or chess, not football. They want to be a scientist, not a ballerina. What might it look like for you to ponder that in your heart and not force your own views? See, I have a double dog dare for us in this area when we start 2021. What if in our families we practiced keeping our mouths shut more often? And instead of always voicing our opinion, we choose to give up the last word to someone else, to just listen to them, to learn from them even. Can you imagine what kind of positive shift in family dynamics this might create? I dare you to try it. And one last arena, and I've been pondering this a lot lately, and that's the life our life in the church. Can we live in the tension of being a part of a church where not everyone agrees on every issue? This is a really important question. Because so many Americans, I don't know if this is happening in other countries, but so many Americans are walking away from churches they've been a part of for years because they disagree on one issue or another, thinking to themselves, I'm just going to go find a church where people think like me. Only to find, after a while, that the same tension exists in every church. If that church is being honest. And do you know why? Because humans, that's why. So my Orchard Hill Church family, I'm, I'm speaking to you for just a moment. Members, people who come here regularly, people who join us on occasion. What might it look like for us to hold tension in this church as part of this church family? 
to not just walk away every time we disagree on something. To not think it's our first job to write a nasty email or to confront someone or to pass on negativity, to be mean to our hardworking leaders as they make hard decisions. What if we could start to do a better job of pondering things in our heart? I mean, if Mary could do this right after she gave birth, do you think we could do it about, say, the music or whether or not our teacher uses our favorite Bible translation or about the coffee or wearing masks to protect our neighbors or service times or hot-button social issues? I mean, don't we have bigger things to do as the church of Jesus in the world right now? How much more good could we accomplish if we harnessed up all of our energy we used to complain and instead used it to work together to bless a broken world? How might church look different if we all learn to ponder a bit and to carry and to hold on to tension? I need to learn to do this. And I pray that 2021 will be the year of pondering for all of us who call Orchard home. Now, why, why does this matter? Why does this idea of pondering matter? In closing, I just want to share three, three reasons. First of all, pondering things in our heart, holding on to tension, lets God be God. It causes us to hand over control to God in a deeper kind of way. I mean, when we live with tension, part of what we're doing is leaving outcomes to God. And this, at its very essence, is exactly what it means to trust God. It means we stop all of our silly, harmful efforts to be God, and it just lets God be God. Second thing that pondering does is it lets God transform us. I mean, holding on to tension when you would rather speak your mind or get the answers or find the solution is a bit like a crucible. I mean, when we live in the tension, when we hold it without trying to resolve things prematurely, without trying to get out from under the struggle, we are allowing God to do his good, often painful, transformative work within us. We can actually become better versions of ourselves, which I don't know about you, but it's something I pray for every day. And we can start to become the kind of people who transmit light into the world, rather than simply being conduits of darkness. And last reason it's important is that pondering lets other people be themselves. We can stop walking through life that, demanding that everybody think, live, and believe and behave just like I do. We can let them off the hook, friends. We can let them be themselves. We can celebrate their uniqueness and allow them to be exactly who God created them to be, even if that journey takes them down a whole bunch of dead-end roads. We can, as my friend Carla Chestnut often says, expect to be amazed by other people. 
What freedom might that bring to our lives? Guess what? You don't have to control everybody else's life. You can just sit back and let God do that. What grace might that bring to the lives of those who get to be around us? (laughs) I dare us to try it. The world needs Christians who ponder things in their hearts. And Mary pondered these things in her heart, the greatest truth of the world. And through her, God changed the world. What might God do through us, through me, through you, if we started to adopt this as one of our primary spiritual practices? Let's try it and see, okay? Let's pray. God, again, your scripture, your word is richer than we give it credit for often. We read over stories that we think we know. We skim over words and we assume we understand what they mean, but there's deeper, richer treasure to be mined for. And I'm so grateful for the people who study things, the the scholars, the researchers who've gone before us, whose work we can glean for this kind of fresh, new, bold, big understanding. Would you, God, help this image, this idea, this definition that, that Mary treasured up these important things that she learned about her baby and she pondered them in her heart Would you let that image, that that definition of what that phrase really means, inform us and make us more thoughtful about how we live as Jesus followers in this crazy world we're living in right now? And, and, And may each one of us maybe take one idea from this teaching and one arena of life. And as we head into 2021, may we try your word and see its deep truth and practice becoming people who ponder things in our hearts, who hold on to tension for your glory, for your kingdom. Amen.